The Earl of Blackthorn was a rake. How could he help but be? His title stood as an overly dramatic warning. To those that had never been there, Blackthorn tore brought to mind sharp points and dark deeds. Its master would have to be a man with equally wicked secrets. In truth, it was a lesser and disappointing holding where crops would not grow and sheep eked out a meagre existence on the gorse between the rocks. When one was gifted with so little, one did what one could with it. On coming into the title, Vincent Wilmont sought the best advice he could find on agrarian matters, invested the profits carefully, and took no risk with the principal. Once that was done, there was still that abominable name to live up to, and he did his best. The ton might expect Lord Edenville to be a bit too holy for his own good, and Lord Overset to be somewhat unsteady on his feet, but a blackthorn should stick in the side of society, living for pleasure and mocking the false morals of the majority. When in London, Vincent cultivated scandal as carefully as any of the crops on his property. His tastes were lavish, though they stopped a hair's breadth from what others might call excessive. He drank often, but was never inebriated. He dined well, but was not a glutton. When he gambled, the stakes were high, but never so high that he suffered from the loss. And though the women he seduced were the envy of all the men in London, he had dueled but once, and of course he had won. Though few truly knew him, everyone knew of the Earl of Blackthorn, and females responded accordingly. He was used to the awed whispers of young ladies when he entered a room, the hiss of warning from their mothers, like so many plump adders behind them, and the admiring glances of a certain type of older and more interesting woman. What he was not used to was snickering, or for that matter, rolled eyes, belly laughs, exasperation, disappointment, and the sight of feminine attention turning quite obviously to other more interesting men. Today, he glared out of the carriage window at any who noticed him, daring them to respond without the usual awe. London accepted the dare and mocked him. He was become a laughing stock. His friend Robert Tripp broke off giving instruction to the driver and smiled sympathetically in his direction. It will be all right. You will see. I have just the place for you. Bob Tripp had no title and thus no expectations placed upon his behaviour. It made his pity all the more annoying. I do not need another club, he said, tapping his stick on the floor of the carriage to demonstrate his annoyance. What he needed was to go back to Caroline Sidney and set things straight. The part of him that had once been Vincent Wilmont recommended flowers and an apology. If needed, he should go down on his knees before her, begging to know how he had wronged her. Artifice and disdain could be saved for the rest of the ton. Caro deserved nothing but truth. But, Blackthorn argued, that this weak part of his character had caused the trouble in the first place. Better to take up with another, even more beautiful woman, to show that he was unhurt. His inner Vincent responded morosely that there was no woman more beautiful than Caro Sidney, and Blackthorn grudgingly agreed. 
Her figure was flawless, as was her complexion. Though she nearly matched him in height, she was not too thin. Her soft curves made holding her a delight. Her brown hair reminded him of dark honey in daylight, but turned coppery when lit by candles. But he had always thought her eyes were her best feature. They were a warm brown, and their faintly almond shape gave her expression a hint of mystery. Perhaps a manly show of temper was in order. He would go to her house, kick her door down, and demand an explanation. His door, he reminded himself, though he had given her the deed in a moment of passion. He was the one who had bought her the house and its contents as well. He had paid for every stick of furniture, every gown in the boudoir, and every jewel around her pretty neck. He'd paid plenty for the right to come and go as he pleased, and not to have the door slammed in his face.